At least we're not live. I would just like to say. Hello, welcome to CPP Chat, a sometimes weekly look at what's going on in the world of C++, chatting with guests from the community. Uh, But before we get to that, um, I'm going to read a disclaimer. Please note that disclaimers made by John on this or any other episode of CPP Chat are not legally binding and are merely his passive-aggressive response to what he perceives as our overly litigious society. And now over to John for his disclaimer. Uh, Thank you, Phil. And here is this week's disclaimer. The following information details the disclaimers and the terms of use of this episode by you, the listener or viewer. You use this episode in in conditional upon your acceptance and compliance with the disclaimers and terms of use contained in this statement and any other notices accepted by you. By consuming this episode, you you agree to be bound by these terms of use. Should you at any time not accept any of the disclaimers and or terms of use, you should not use this episode and should contact our office for assistance. (laughs) Quite right. (laughs) That'd be your house, right? So we're sending people around. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, yes. Hey, so this is going to be a lot of fun. We have uh, Matt Godbold, who uh, is joining us. Uh, we're very fortunate to have him because he was just putting out a fire. And, uh, <laughs> and Yes. And- <laughs> I actually, well, I was hearing about a fire. I, I, I'll tell you later, but I, I've lost my cell phone. And so I didn't know about this oh. until I got home. <laughs> oh, my. But anyway, someone else was dealing with it. So thank you, Patuf. It sounds like a tough week to <laughs> lose your cell phone and have. <laughs> Shout out to Partouf, though. That's yes, right. absolutely. Uh, so before we dive in, uh, we should do kind of a roundup and uh, talk about what's going on. I think it's been kind of a quiet week. Uh, uh, Lenny uh, Moroni, Morat Moriani. I'm not sure how to say Lenny's last name. Lenny um, was on CPP cast. Just Lenny. That's right. He's on CPP cast. Um, and of course, they were talking a little bit about uh, the, the new location for CPPCon, So I was very excited about that part. Um, I'm sure they talked about C++ in there somewhere too. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was a lot of very inter- interesting things about, uh, the trading industry that I've recently left myself. So it was interesting to sort of hear and reminisce about old times. So I really enjoyed that episode, but, uh, yeah, kind of looked at it from him being the new guy. So it was all new to him, old hat to you, but yes. Um, there's yeah. always something to learn, always something well, to learn. Yeah. But I mean that the the overall concerns. I mean that's what he was talking mm-hmm. about. It's kind of a shift of of your perspective about what. In fact, something you were saying just a bit ago, which is you know we have we have a problem and people lose lots and lots of money. So we're very very <laughs> aware of that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, CVPCon. I think all the videos are up. Uh, call for class proposals are up, and I do have all the speaker portraits. So. I appreciate the patience of those of you who have not been bugging me about speaker portraits and also the patience of those of you who have been bugging me about <laughs> speaker portraits. Um, but uh, you can bring on the bugging. I, 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 I will send them back with speaker reviews. I think I have all the speaker reviews put together uh, more or less. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So those things should be going out soon. Very soon, and we're in the process for Sequels now. We're in the process of of getting the call for submissions out. So be looking for uh, for that very shortly. If you're interested in speaking at C plus plus now, and I'm kind of hoping the people on this chat are. <laughs> and Maybe. if you're not, you should be. Maybe. And if you're not, you should be. That's right. You, you know, I'm I'm terrible at these kinds of things. I have no imagination when it comes to to talk topics. It's uh, it's only ever when we've been talking that things have come up. But yeah. So yes, yeah, CPB now is the beautiful Aspen setting, um, talk 
uh, venue, yeah, right? It's, it's the one that's in Colorado, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, what's going on on C++ on C? Are we sold out? Not quite, but um, we're steadily working towards that. Yeah. But there, there is some news this week. Um, oh. Something that people have been asking me about for a long time, and I finally got to, to push it out. Um, two things, actually. We have a, a student's program. So okay. students can uh, buy tickets for just £50 instead of 450 Wow, awesome. So that should help some people. Um, but then also a volunteers program. Now, mm-hmm. There's no limit on the number of students right now. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a limit of uh, 10 volunteers going to be accepting. They'll be uh, uh, free to, to get into the conference. Obviously, they'll, they'll have to do some work for that. Um, just a bit of a song and a dance, that sort of thing. <laughs> but they will also get uh, accommodation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just travel oh, wow. enough to cover. And if you're a student and you also want to be a volunteer, you can apply for both programs. So if you make it onto the volunteer program, you get everything for free. So all that information is up on the website now. So if that's of interest to you, go and check that out. Sure. Um, now, awesome. when you're talking about students, uh, you're talking about uh, full-time. What, yeah. what's, the, what's the parameters of this? Yeah, well, it's all laid out on the website. But, yeah, you have to be in full-time education. And I haven't spelled out exactly what that means because um, I'm sure it's a very deep rabbit hole to really get into. So, Just like um, the disclaimers, right? <laughs> uh, I'm hoping it's all, all going to be sort of completely unambiguous, but... At the end of the day, uh, if it isn't clear, then you know I'll be asked to make a final decision. But I'm sure most people are going to um, not not try to abuse that. Right, right. Um, and I'll just say this: I, I'm sure it applies to C++ on C. We haven't seen that conference yet, but I'm sure it's applying there. I've talked to people who came as students to either CppCon or C++ Now. I've talked to a number of them. Uh, some of whom are no longer in school and have said, you know, this changed everything for me. It 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 changed my perception of what's possible in the career. I met all sorts of people. Um, people, not just students, have gotten jobs because of the contacts they made. Uh, they get invited to participate in things online and all sorts of stuff. So, um, so if you're a, a student in, in the London area or even in England anywhere, absolutely do not miss out on this opportunity. It will, it will almost certainly change your career. Yeah, I had an email from um, one uh, father who said his 15-year-old son really wanted to go and was asking if there was any uh, discounts they'd be able to get for him. And even though he'll, he, the father, would, would pay full price. Um, so I'm really pleased to be able to give them uh, that, that discount. Uh, he was saying that he was particularly interested in meeting Matt, our guest today, <laughs> and, and Jason Turner. So hopefully they'll make a bit of time for him. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're media stars, both of you are. <laughs> Very strange, reluctant ones, but it's <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. Yeah, right. I suppose so. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Uh, well, um, Core C++ in Tel Aviv is accepting speakers, registrations, and sponsors. Um, I It slipped my mind when the date of that is. It's it's in 2019, but I'm not sure when. Do you remember? Yeah, it's in May. I don't remember the exact dates, but it's the same dates as the Eurovision Song Contest, also in Tel Aviv. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so if you want to go, I'd book hotels now. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you want. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, yeah. All right. And for for, for the Americans, that that's a super important 
a part of the European calendar is to dis- the political landscape is determined by who votes for who in the Eurovision Song Contest. So it's really important. Oh, obviously, it'd be less important this year. I'm kind of surprised that that's going to be in Tel Aviv. They consider Tel Aviv part of Europe. Uh, I think Australia were in it last year. Is that is that right, Phil? I don't. I remember I, seeing I something about it. it. I think there's a very loose definition of Europe. For I guess that. It, maybe they let anybody in who plays soccer. That's Europe. I don't know. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, Britain are still in it, right? Oh, too soon. <laughs> oh, we sh- we don't want to discuss that. That's it. <laughs> All right. So the next the next topic is. Uh, John's gratuitous ego stroking, and I want to <laughs> congratulate myself. Uh, so uh, I am a Microsoft MVP, and I have been for five years, so I got my five-year disc. And um, uh, the reason I actually brought it up, other than just bragging about it. Show us it. it. Show us. We, you didn't quite bring it up high enough. We want to see. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I didn't look on the camera. Okay, so there you go. There uh, there's this little thing, and you add these little discs up the side. It's designed uh, so the discs slide in, and, and you collect those. So, um, so, uh, but they've actually changed the program a little bit, not the nature of the program, but how you get into it for people who are interested. It used to be that you could just go to Microsoft's MVP site and nominate yourself and say, this is what I do in the community. And what they're looking for, let me explain a little bit. Um, they're looking for people. How did you phrase this, uh, Phil? You said they were, um, non-paid casual employees. Is yes, that how you that's said? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're looking for people, you know. The, the C++ is a little bit different than the other things. So uh, for the product world, if you – let's say you use Excel in your daily daily life and you live and breathe Excel macros and you get on forums and you answer questions about Excel, they want you to be part of the team um, in the sense that they're going to send you early versions. They're going to put you on a mailing list where you're talking about issues that come up and all those kinds of things. So C++ is a little bit different because technically I'm a Visual Studio uh, uh, MVP, but I don't use Visual Studio. In fact, when they when they talked to me about this, because they reached out to me and said, "Would you would you like to be part of the program?" And I said, "Well, you know, I was actually a Microsoft employee for eight years, and in all that time, I never used Visual Studio. I have never used Visual Studio except to kind of play around with. It. I've never used it for a real a real project." Um, and they said, "Well, that's okay. We're interested in people who are promoting the community and working in the C community. So, so the C world is a little bit different. But if you are interested in in what I've said. You know, there is an email list where they talk about issues that come up with the product. Uh, maybe it's an install program, but maybe it's also something more technical, like uh, you know, maybe it is a compiler bug, or maybe it's a library issue, or something like that. And you want to be an insider where you can report these things and you can discuss these things. Then um, then you can participate. And what they're looking for are people who who talk about C either on a podcast like this or or give talks, or answer questions on Stack Overflow. And those are the kinds of things they're looking for, someone who's supporting the community. Um, it used to be that you could go to the MVP site and explain that and say, this is what I do. And they have a form, you fill it out, and you say, I do this, and I do this, and here's my blog, and all these kinds of things. Um, and you could nominate yourself. But now they've decided, for whatever reason, uh, you can no longer nominate yourself. You have to be nominated by someone who already is an MVP or someone who's a Microsoft employee. And the reason I'm bringing all this up is because if you – are interested in this program, um, come talk to me and we'll talk about it and uh, and uh, maybe it makes sense that I nominate you. So anyway. Cool. Uh, plus. <clears throat> plus. Plus. Look at me. Yeah, a lovely piece of, of trophy there for the trophy cabinet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, congratulations. 
Yes. Oh, thank you, sir. Five years. Five years. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess we can now uh, talk about kind of our main topic, which is Matt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me? Well, actually, you know, it's not on our list, but one of the things that you mentioned um, just just a few minutes ago made me think about that. I think the first talk you gave was the keynote at CPPCon. <laughs> and of course, I, I, I made it as as low um as as non uh pressured as possible by telling you that you were going to be doing the closing keynote at the That's largest right. conference I remember, on C++ that it ever <laughs> I remember vividly because I'd never been to a C++ conference before and I sent you an email I think a few weeks beforehand and said whenabouts will I be talking it just I would like to go to the conference and enjoy not worrying about when my talk is and like hopefully the earlier the better and he replied I got bad news for you (laughs) (laughs) and so I spent the whole week worried about it but it was it was an an extraordinary experience um so much fun so much fun it's um great conference and not your only one you right you have now you are in demand I uh, uh, yeah well Yes, I have been to more than one conference now and spoken at them. Thank, thanks again to you for, you know, gently prodding me to say, "Hey, I'm sure you have something to say." And we found things, and yeah, it's been it's been amazing. It's been an amazing change from from no conferences for C plus plus to pretty much turning up at uh, every other conference or so and having something to say. So I've I've really enjoyed it, and it's it's been a lot of fun meeting people. I think you said it when you talked about the students there. Um, I think it's the same for everybody. The opportunity to, to interact with people that you may know on Slack or maybe you just don't know them at all. There are a lot of people who don't have an online presence, who don't have any other, um, uh, you know, you don't already know them, but you yeah. just bump into them in the hallway. And I mean, maybe with the, the lanyard around my neck that says my name and people go, oh, I recognize that name. That helps, yeah. you know, gel. So I get a slightly different experience perhaps to others. But I, I see clumps of people talking about C++ and sharing information in a way that I just don't think you can capture using any other means. Um, and I always have this problem because like whenever I'm not going to conferences, I always think to myself, well, what do you get out of a conference? It seems such <laughs> a faff. It's expensive. You know, if, you're, if your employer's not covering it, you've got to, you know, there's, there's travel, there's lodging, then there's the conference itself. And you're like, well, and I can watch everything on YouTube is what you yes. kind of tell yourself, right? Yes. And then you're there and you're like, oh, all of this stuff is happening and you can't, Get it any other way. It's it's only by being here in those strange hallway conversations, or going for a, a dinner with someone, or a group of people, or um, yeah, bumping into luminaries and sort of having you know strange interact, fun interactions with them, and kind of then being able to go say, "Hey, I've met Herb Sutter. You know, this is amazing. <laughs> He's cool. You know, things like that." And and you can't really you can't. Did you? Know, did you you read, can't. Go on. Sorry. Did you read John Heed's trip report where he was talking about? He was going up to the room where he was going to speak. He just wanted to feel it out. And he said there was somebody else up there also trying to. The doors were locked and they were just trying to get into the room. And, and he said, yeah, I'm going to be speaking in here. And, and the other fellow says, yeah, hi, I'm Scott Myers. <laughs> and was kind of like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. But That's it fantastic. Is, uh, yeah. Um, it, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't want to oversell it because I don't want somebody to say, sure. oh, you know, I'm between jobs. I better go to CPPCon. I'm guaranteed to get a job. I don't, I don't want you to feel that way. What's going to happen, though, is just opportunities that, that just wouldn't happen any other mm-hmm. way. That the, the shared physical meet space. I mean, we can think all we want about how connected we are, being mm-hmm. online, and all that kind of stuff. And, and that it's, is wonderful. It's great that 
that we can talk to people across the world within minutes of each other. And, and, you know, that is wonderful, but there is something about, um, just, just being around chatting casually topics mm-hmm. come up, you know, an idea sparks you. And then, you know, six hours later, you're giving a lightning talk on it. I mean, this right. Is... <laughs> yeah. A fr- this friend of mine just... refers to it as monkey time. You know, the time that you're there, you're like picking if it's just, you have to be around other people who share your passions just to have those, random interactions, you know, that you couldn't schedule. Right. <laughs> right. 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 And that's why, you know, I, we give away, well, almost all the content. There's a few sessions that don't get recorded, but almost all the content is up on YouTube. And, you know, why would you, as you said, it's, it's expensive. It's time away from home. You got to arrange, uh, maybe, you know, things, things for the kids while you're gone, whatever. I mean, all this stuff you have to do and you have to talk to your boss about it, you know, all this stuff. Why would that possibly be worth it when the content's all there? But when you go there, you realize, you know, we don't ever have, I shouldn't say we don't ever have, but, but, you know, the experience is not that people come to the conference and say, well, this was a waste of time. I'm just going to stay home and watch it on YouTube. It's, it's the opposite. Right. Um, Although people come there's something to be said, actually, just for even the very act of saying, well, I'm going to be away for a week. I'm going to be watching this content right you know you can say it's on youtube but like you have to be pretty disciplined to get through enough of the content you know before i i have like a, a watch later list of all of the cpp comments i didn't see or for other co- yeah. conferences and i watch them like as i walk to the train station and as i walk back you know i try not to walk into lampposts and stuff but you know it i can get through it um but it's 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 a, it's really hard to find that time away so if you have a whole week of time dedicated to filling your brain with this information it, it's i don't know you're in the better way it's just easier to absorb the content i think like that although it's exhausting i think we should <laughs> stress that it's it's not a it's not a week away of like chilling escaping from everything it is absolutely knackering well that's that's kind of my goal i do get you know that is part of the <laughs> part of the the, the the criticism is there's there's too many sessions going on it's hard to choose and all that and there's just you know too much going on it, it starts too early it lasts too long and you know I'm happy to have that kind of criticism because I, I, you know, the last thing I want is for somebody to say, you know, I, I flew halfway across the world to be here and there's nothing interesting for me right now. Right. I'm just wasting my time. As you say, That's it's not tyr- going to happen. Tyranny of choice though, right now is that, that you just always, I sort of plot my way through the schedule and then I still feel like I end up in a different talk from the one I was planning because something else got caught my interest or. Or it you know, may not be a talk at all because it may be there were some people standing there with Scott Myers and you were talking about something and you realized this is not being recorded. I'm going to stay here and listen, right. <laughs> listen to this conversation. Exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, even though it's true, I had three things I wanted to see, but I, but I'm going to be here. So. I think mean, it's worth emphasizing the other side of that coin though, that uh, not everyone can actually sustain that level of, of uh, interaction mm-hmm. uh, for particularly for a whole week. So yeah, if you do feel your energy is running low, do take some time out and, and recharge so you can make the most of the rest of the, the event as well. Yeah. That's a really, really valid point. Yeah, like going away and hiding in your hotel room um, or just ch- chilling out for a bit, finding a bit of spare space. I mean, I, I know that there's the um, uh, there's like a there was the roof deck kind of area where I noticed people would sit out and, and just you know, have a bit more of a relaxed time. Yes, it, it can be overwhelming with that number of people and that amount right. of activity going on. It, it's you, you're right to, to give yourself the space to be able to uh, come back in fresh and um, in, enjoy the rest of the conference and. Well, and I think that will be even better at uh, at our new location because we're there in the hotel. Because right now, if you're at the conference and you just feel wiped out, 
then you could go back to your hotel room and take a nap. But that's, you know, 10, 15 minute walk. <laughs> and, and if you're yes. already tired, that doesn't sound too exciting. Whereas at the new location, it's really you walk down the corridor, you get in the elevator and then you go to your then you go to your room. You can do half an hour and then be back for the next session. Right. No problem. So um, one of the one of the advantages of being at the new location. So, actually, while we're here, how, how will that be at uh, CPP on C, um, Phil? Where are the hotels nearby? How would you envisage that going? Yes, yeah, so the closest hotel is just immediately across the road, so literally like one or two minutes walk. Um, there's some other hotels, a few more minutes walk. So, most of them are going to be closer than the hotels were in Bellevue. Right. Um, I've also designated a a room that's normally a bar, but as a a quiet room. So. If you just want some time out during the conference without going anywhere, you can just go and sit there. Oh, fabulous. Maybe have a quiet chat with people. Um, so hopefully I've got that covered, but we'll see. Wow. Did you did you say, and you can chat with people? Yeah. So we are thinking about, since we have a little bit more space, we're thinking about that we're going to have a quiet room at CPPCon, but we will say you, you can't chat with people. This is for mm. you. You can do your email. You can do your slides. You can do whatever you need to do. You can just take a nap. But uh, no phone calls and no uh, and no chats. Um, th- there will be places to do those things if you want to talk to right. somebody. There's yeah. plenty of places to do that. Um, I was but, thinking uh, of it as more like a library. So yeah, you can like talk quietly, yeah. um, calmly, but no um, distracting noise. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. The things well, you guys should... have to think about. It boggles the mind. You know what goes into to planning a conference. So I take my hat off to you both for. <laughs> For, for doing it. I mean, I, I remember speaking to you, John, and you saying, you know, like the, 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 the fact that uh, I said, it's, everything seems to be going so well. He said, yeah, but I only ever hear about the problems. because <laughs> That's the only thing that gets up to me. So I think it's worth reiterating that, like, from our point of view as attendees, everything always seems to just be effortless and wonderful. So thank you. Well, that's, that's the goal. Um, I've told people that the success of the conference depends on the ignorance of the attendees. Yes. And by that, of course, I mean that you don't see you don't see the cracks and the flaws, and you don't see you know that's the goal is that you don't see that. And inevitably, right. some people do, and something disastrous happened. We try to fix it for them, right? Um, but but I think that is um, that that is the goal that you go there and you assume that it all is flawless, and it's not flawless. But uh, but that's the goal is to is for people to know that. So. Uh, speaking of flawless, tell us a little bit about um, about the fire you put out today. What happened today? Well, um, I wish I knew. I actually have the, the logs streaming up the screen here too, because in case it happens again. But um, about a couple of hours ago, Compiler Explorer stopped responding and doing anything, and it was serving up empty lists of compile compilers, so that the dropdowns were all empty and all sorts of other strange things. I've not been able to diagnose it yet, but um, so the website f- the website was technically up. Yes, but it was yes. Not caching. Unfortunately, does a lot of disservice. You know, like sometimes it would be better for the it just not be there. But it may it may actually have been up enough to to serve up pages. But we, there are so many layers of caching in front of it. There's CloudFront, and then there's an application load balancer, and then there's the actual nodes that serve it up, and there's Nginx that serves up the static. You know, it's it's all layers and layers of com- complex things, and uh, it was a bit at the very far end that apparently couldn't work and as far as we can tell something funky went on with the file system so um there are a number of nodes that serve all of the requests from compiler explorer and um they're sort of fanned out with a load balancer and those nodes share about i think 90 gig 
maybe it's 100 gig now, of compilers, right? There's a lot of compilers. And so it used to be the case that I actually installed them all in on each node. And that was great. And uh, it meant for like a long build time. I was using Docker at the time. So, you know, you'd have this Docker container that was about 30 gig that contained like every version of GCC at the time and the site and everything. And I would just sort of push that onto the, the machines and they would just run the site and it was great. But it got unwieldy. Building that and distributing it would take minutes. Um, in fact, it would took, yeah, took very many minutes for a new node to come up. And they, they come and go as the um, as the load on the system goes up and down to try and keep costs down, but make it like, still responsive um so we moved away from that model and moved towards a model where i just effectively have a big shared network drive where all the compilers are stored on because then the 90 gig of the of compilers of course is mostly untouched you know the vast majority you're running the cc and you're running cc1 and there's the, the stl headers and a few other bits and pieces but the you know I, I lord alone knows what actually goes in to make them that big so so um uh, it doesn't, you know, we don't pay too much for the cost of transferring the small amount of data we use out of that install. Uh, but if it, it means that if the network um, goes down or even internally the the network drive fails, then we're going to see some weird things and all the loads at once, which is unfortunately, I think, what happened. But I'm going to be investigating it immediately after this and we'll hopefully have a uh, some idea about making sure it doesn't happen again. Um, and as again, I didn't have a phone, so I had no idea this was happening. So just before this, I was at uh, my son's flute concert. And so I was nowhere near where I could have checked a phone anyway um, and remain married. Um, so, uh, but I didn't have my phone anyway. So um, I, so yes, last night was my company's holiday party. And today I was telling Phil earlier, um, I've been suffering all day. I actually didn't go into work today and I was meant to be working from home, but I actually had to phone in sick from working from home say look I'm not, there's no way I can work I'm just too destroyed so it was a good party but I left my my phone and, in the taxi I was gonna say you woke up saying dude where's my phone right? yes exactly <laughs> so I have been on a bit of a journey I mean thankfully phones nowadays you can like click the where, where the heck's my phone and I was able to locate that I'd left it in the the lift and they've been able to sort it out so I should be reunited with it tomorrow but in the, the 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 kind of work that I do, almost everything is two-factor authentication based, and so oh. I had to make a call earlier today. Do I like wipe the phone and then start the long, boring process of trying to get all the apps that are two FA moved over to a new two FA device? Or ugh, it was horrible. So um, that also fed into my decision this morning for like, why don't I just stay in bed and <laughs> feel sorry for myself? <laughs> so yeah, on the back of it, I couldn't. Um, I didn't get any notifications that. Um, so, so give us a peek behind the curtain, right? Um, how many? <laughs> how many? How many? You, how many nodes did you say? So at the moment we're running three nodes. I have um, one that is just a relatively small instance that is there and stays up all the time. The other ones I pay this on-demand amount. So Amazon have effectively like an internal auction. You can say, hey, I, I'd like a faster node, um, but. Uh, I'm pr- only prepared to pay five cents an hour or whatever amount. And they, they, there's a, like an internal bidding system. And then if there's spare capacity and you're the one of the higher bidders, you get to the, the, the node at that amount, which is pretty cool. But it means that node can be killed at any second. And and in fact, you, your bid may not be high enough to get hold of it. So that happens from time to time. Uh, so there's a couple of nodes that run like that most of the time. Again, subject to them actually being, um, they're not being too much load in, in Amazon itself. So there's those. So there's three nodes running. 
Um, we also have an, like an administrative node, which is just a place to SSH into that's behind the firewall that the other ones mm-hmm. live inside of. And then there's all these load balancers and there's a ton of stuff on S3. There are Dynamo databases now for the uh, short links. So the short links are now actually, they used to be um, like a, a shim over Google's own URL shortener. But then Google decided they're going to change the way that, that works as is their way. And I thought, yeah, I think it, the time has come to actually own the data. So anyone who's been annoyed by all the annoying pop-ups that came up, you know, when when um, uh, about two, two three months ago when we, we we put the system in, it was mainly to cover myself now because I am now storing your data. I don't look at it, I don't want to look at it. But if you make a short URL, that is now being saved on S3 somewhere, uh, so that. I can serve it back up again when you ask for it again. And right. it has also opened the door to being me being able to create my own personalized short links because I'm now in control of that. And I've been sort of toying with um, going down the line where, you know, if you have an account, I, again, this is now getting into like speculative work for the future, but an account, maybe you can actually name links or have your own sublink and things. And th- that mainly came out of the fact that I started to see that, I think like you were saying earlier, that people are starting to put links, short links into papers that right. they're then submitting to the committee. And the problem with that is that what those links are basically based off of the the, the hash of the, the the UI state and the code and all of the bits and pieces and the which compilers you've picked, which is great. But if you meant if you notice a typo and you've already put it into a paper, you can't fix it because it would change the hash and therefore you can't. So this would let, let adds a level of indirection. There you go. <laughs> there we go, Phil. Get your plug for you. Um, and so you can actually, I, I can sort of think about doing that now. Obviously, administrating it could be a nightmare. Um, I don't really have any thoughts about it, but certainly for like people submitting papers, it might be useful for them to be able to get like a fixed link that's like, this is the example one of my paper and this is the example two of my paper and I can actually change it after I've submitted the paper if there's like a little tweak to make it um, correct. Well, and I can certainly see it as a presenter where I could say, well, if you want to play with this, go to, you know, dot, you know, talk one dot example one or something like that. And then- absolutely. Yeah, but at the moment it's all done through like a Python administrative script I run, so it's not exactly scalable. But um, right. there is there are sort of mutterings about making it um, more of a feature for like certain people to log in, and you know, I I definitely want to build like a tiered system so it gets complicated, and I I don't want to like you know I've, I've made it very clear that that Compiler Explorer will be free forever for everyone, so I'm not I'm not trying to struck what the, the, the cynic in me thinks well i could make this a, a premium feature then my patreons can have the this and it's like no that's not what it's about i don't want it to be like that but um yeah so so yeah anyway the file we don't really know what it was um so you keep saying we we yes how, there how are, many of you are working on this i mean so this is your initial product but you've got it help is now. it is yes i have a lot of help um thankfully because i recently changed jobs and my t- spare time disappeared for quite a while <laughs> but um we have Patouf and ruben and i can never say his name and he always laughs at my, me trying to say it so uh, hopefully he'll have a chuckle at this later ruben maybe that's better uh they're my the main um administrators of the system now um about 18 months ago i went through a bit of a a, a tidy up so that i went from ad hoc clicking in the Amazon UI to like make deployments and things to actually having a tool that I wrote myself that can administer the node, start and stop them, set up which versions running where and whatever. And then that meant I felt unashamed or less ashamed to hand it to other people and say, hey, you have the keys to the the plantation too. You can do the work now. And that was a great um, investment of time is is, is allowing them to administrate it, um, start and stop. let you go to flute concerts. 
Exactly. It does. It does. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. So those, there are others, there are many others that contribute lots of code. We get loads of pull requests. Um, but Partouf and Ruben are the sort of like the main other two um, um, people who are both administrating the system and merging pull requests and fixing bugs. And um, yeah, and so it's, it's, it's amazing. It's probably the best. I mean, there are two things that I love the most. The, the, the two things I love the most about this project is that now it's sort of got a life of its own and I, I go away for a week and I come back and it's like two site updates have happened and I didn't even know, you know, there are features that I went in because I thought if we talk about like some of the newer things that are in, there are features I'd forgotten that have been put in because I haven't really been involved with them. And it's like, wow, I forgot we had that. That's cool. I'm going to use that at work. And um, then, so that's one aspect of it, the fact that it's grown. The other aspect is that it was my funny little project for, you know, effectively high frequency trading, not the most um, well looked upon necessarily industry. Um, and, you know, all about eking out the performance to make something, you know, a bit faster. Let's look at the compiler. Can we do X or can we do Y? How does it tweak? Uh, how does the compiler see my code? Uh, and, and then I hear from people like Jason Turner and Kate Gregory and other people that say, like, we use this to teach. I mean, you, you John, I think you've mentioned as well, like, this is a teaching aid. We, and, or I get people emailing me from universities saying, hey, can we use your site in our course? Because we're, doing, we're teaching compiler design and it would be really useful to be able to... And that, that's the best thing ever. It's just, you know, beyond what I ever imagined using the site for, others are using it and in, in, in such a, a, a way that, like, brings us all forward, brings, you know, the, the state of knowledge, disseminates knowledge, but more. Gosh, I'm tying myself in knots here. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just excited that it's being used in for things that, that I mean, I still bring it up like three times a day just to sort of stare at the code and kind of go, oh, I can do that. Oh, that's good. That means I can write human readable code. But the, the, the little assembly hacker in me is still happy that actually the compiler is going to do the right, the right, right thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I was thinking about it when I was reading. Uh, uh, so Jonathan Bacara's, mm-hmm. is he sent me an early version of a blog that he's about to write because... I'd made a comment to an earlier blog, and this is related to that. So he sent this and said, I'm about to do this. And I was playing because he was using something called QuickBench, which I probably should have known about, but I had never used it. Before. Right, Fred Tingo's site. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. But as I was playing with it, I was thinking, I'd really like to be able to see, because some of the uh, some of the results of QuickBench are like, so really? It's like... like uh, counterintuitive. Benchmarking is always... This, yeah. <laughs> And so I would like to have actually seen, okay, now what is the compiler actually generating here? I would feel right. more confident, maybe the, the two of them. I mean, looking at what the compiler generates doesn't actually tell you something's faster because right. instructions are not, right? So you exactly. kind of want both. But if you so get I think some actually, kind of anomaly... There is an option on uh, QuickBench to dump out the code. It can even run perf on the code and give you some idea about where the, it thinks the CPU is spending time. So there's a little bit of that in there. I see. I guess uh, I Fred and I have chatted... And I think some of the more difficult things, I think, for QuickBench is that, you know, just like Compiler Explorer, where looking at the assembly can give you a completely false sense of security that, you know, something is faster or slower. I mean, about the only thing you can say with certainty that is if I write my code like this or like this and the exact same assembly instructions are omitted, then they are equivalent. I think that's one thing we can all say. Fair enough. But, um, yeah, it's very beguiling to think, oh, yeah, look, there, is, there are fewer instructions. It must be faster or there are more instructions. And the, the same thing is true with QuickBench. You know, like benchmarking is extremely hard. The compiler is very, very smart at noticing that you're not really doing the right thing. And so it throws loads of things away. And or, you know, uh, well, that was if, that was in, in what he in what he did. He did a number of things. And when he got to the final step, uh, the benchmark optimized everything away. 
Right. And, I mean, and it was obvious that it had done so because because the time went to to zero, literally zero. And um, and so I, what I, one of the things I suggested, I said, well, you could try doing this. And um, basically, what he was trying to do was uh, manipulate some things in, in this buffer and doing it in a loop. And he was trying to test what you know, which loop, which version of this loop is going to work faster. And mm-hmm. the problem was, of course, at some point he figured out, or the compiler figured out, that he was never actually looking at the results after he did it. Right. And so, uh, and so it didn't matter saying, whether it was done so, or not. And so it just turned it off. The other thing for, uh, go on. for for QuickBench that was uh, that I was trying to figure out is what we were doing in the loop was to pass in um, a lambda or a freestanding function, and one of the things that we couldn't do is we couldn't because it because it does a single translation unit, so we mm-hmm. couldn't do a lambda or a freestanding function that was not inline. Well, you see, there there lies. I, I was, yeah, that's it. you. You can do it. You can like give it this, the function call attributes to say no in line, um, which you can even. I think Jason had one of the one of his recent um, C weeklies was like you know using the double square brackets nowadays is better than all the horrible pragma nonsense you had to do before or underscore underscore attribute two parens. So you can actually do that. And there's a couple of cases in the code base that I'm working on at work where I've had to do that on purpose because I want I definitely want to pull stuff out of line. I'm like, no, this is this essentially will never be called. Don't pollute the cache. Don't even think about inlining it. Don't even bring it in. Don't bring it nearby. Put it, it right. mark it as cold. Throw it off of there. And I think you could probably do the same thing there. But, you know, there's always this danger when you're benchmarking stuff where you're trying to maneuver the compiler to not doing the thing you want it to do. And the interesting thing, I think, about what you said there, I mean, two things. Um, uh, QuickBench uses Google Benchmark, which has a whole selection of interesting do not optimize away like methods that you can call that do tricks ver- that to, to variously try and convince the compiler to still do the work. So I probably Doesn't could all- have found something if I had. Possibly. And then the second point about the translation units is that I, I, I think we should stop, you know, we've been doing this long enough that we know that that's kind of how, how the compiler has historically worked is if you can only see one thing at a time, then it's little taking its little microscope on each piece of code. It, we know it can't inline, but there's nothing to stop it from doing the inlining. And once you turn on link time optimization, which I wholeheartedly recommend everybody do for their release builds, then you can't start. You can't be making those kinds of assumptions. And, it, and again, it's like folks like us have been doing this for years. We're like kind of like, well, I know how to trick out the compiler this time. I'm going to move it into another file. <laughs> You're like, nope. Compilers are getting smarter all the time. You can always, always. Um, uh, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of like people reasoning about undefined behavior. Say, so, well, technically, it's I was going to say, but I know what the compiler is going to do, and <laughs> yeah. and, and it's okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's more of an arms race. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, I think I think that's the best way of thinking about it. And I think who was it? I think it was Kate Gregory that said something about reasoning about undefined behavior. And uh, I, I remember somebody else making that exact comment, and it hits true so so much. You know, again, I remember the first like half of my career was essentially unbeknownst to me undefined behavior or taking advantage of and just knowing what the compiler would do and tricking it and going well if we make this thing volatile which now is like a complete trigger word for everyone as it should be yes then then the compiler does what i want it to do or it won't do the thing that it was doing before where it was doing i think something bad or so yeah i I think we've looked people the problem with people getting too familiar with their compiler rather than with the standard correct correct that's the best way of because what happens is the next version the compiler you all bets are off because you know oh no we used to always do that but now exactly. 
I've so that, that's another bugbear of mine. So I'm glad we're sort of going through a little list of things that annoy the heck out of me. Uh, <laughs> the the reluctance for people to move to the latest compiler. Now, obviously, if you can, if you have tons of benchmarks and your code is important or performance is important, and you can run with the new compiler and discover it's a, a performance regression, I kind of get it. But there's a lot of fuddishness. Uh, fear, uncertainty, doubt about people moving from compiler to compiler. And most of it does come back to exactly what you said. They got too familiar with the particular implementation of the undefined behavior they were already taking it, they were taking advantage of before. And so now you're stuck at GCC 492 because, well, it does, it works with our code base. And now obviously it's, it's hard to say to somebody, well, your completely working code with this compiler is actually fundamentally flawed. You need to, in order to get to GCC 5 even, you need to fix 20,000 bits of code here everywhere and test the heck out of it or whatever. That's unfortunate, but to me, I think that's a tax that you pay because you should pay, and you should pay it in small increments. You should say, hey, GCC 8.2 is out. Brilliant. Let's move from GCC 8.1 to 8.2 because unless there's a compelling reason not to, and I mean genuinely compelling reason it's worth the two or three days or however long it might take depending on your infrastructure to move to it get all the new warnings get all the new errors get the bugs fixed um have the the optimizer learn new tricks and maybe they will find flaws in your code and that's a good thing but ultimately you are it's you're going to be better off i mean like gcc9 i think is going to be out what q2 next year and i'm already like itching to get it into my code base i think it's just it, we should be thinking like this. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate I'm on Linux and pulling down a compiler and like plopping it into source control or, you know, ch- chucking on a, like an install step is, is relatively straightforward for me. And, and I'm a huge proponent of um, the idea of like having something like uh, you know, decent package management systems and, you know, such things are becoming, starting to become more mainstream, things like Conan and VC package or whatever, making it as, 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 of easy as possible for your developers and yourself to say, hey, I'm, I've just checked in a thing and the, the, the thing I've checked in is the compiler.version file somewhere and now suddenly everything will build with the new compiler because this, the system that we've built knows how to, to move from that one version to the next. And it just means that it's, there's no longer this kind of... Um, and maybe this is a, an artificial thing in my mind, but I've definitely worked at companies where you know there was the new developer comes on board they give them the computer and go, here's the 300 pages of things that you have to do to your computer before you have the the build set up working. And, you know, then they're never up to date and it's not working. And then you're like, well, there's a reason why we don't change compiler because someone will have to try and work out how on earth to install that compiler. And it's such a difficult thing. And yeah, anyway, sorry, I've just gone off on one here and nobody's told me not to. <laughs> so I can keep well, talking. It, That's it, what the show it, is about. It reminded me of, uh, um, let's see if I can pull this up. There's a. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my own blog here. I don't. I don't tout my own blog. <laughs> I don't write it very often. But there's right. a. But there's a, a great blog entry, and it's about um, this uh, cert vulnerability note. And what they're talking about is that um, compilers can. There was this huge thing. This actually happened in Linux, where someone there was there was a function that would check to see if if the pointer that was passed in was null. This is the null, if yeah. If it was null, it would do one thing. If it wasn't, it would do something else. And someone else came along later and added a, a debugging line of code where they said, print out what this thing is pointing to, which means that you referenced the pointer. And the compiler looked at that and said, well, if this was null, that would be undefined behavior. So we can assume it's not null. That doesn't mean that it isn't null. It means that if it is null, it doesn't matter what they generate anyway. It's undefined behavior. And so... What happened was, uh, the uh, this was in the Linux 
kernel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. they suddenly had this bug. And there was a huge, huge argument between the Linux kernel people who were saying, if we put a, a null test in, you do it. And the, and the compiler people who were quite rightly saying, it's undefined behavior. Fix your code. It's not right. a problem with the compiler. So I think GCC actually has a flag now. That it says, does. Always check nulls or whatever it is. Yeah, F no because null that was check the, or something. No dereference check. There's, yeah, there's, right. yeah, exactly. And, but yeah, it's the but, same kind of thing. But the blog post I wrote was about the fact that um, there's this security recommendation that is telling people not to upgrade their compiler because newer compilers are exploiting undefined behavior uh, to get better performance. And Ow. they're saying, don't upgrade your compiler. And, of course, my whole blog is me going off on them saying, <laughs> you know, you're getting, you're getting a safer compiler with every version. Now, yes, there are bugs introduced, but there's also yeah, bugs yeah. getting fixed. You're right. getting better performance. You're getting better and overall. And if, if, you want to, like, do if what you're like trying the- to do is protect yourself from undefined behavior – the solution is to change your code, not to lock yourself into right. a compiler that's 10 years old or whatever. I, I think the, the tide has turned to some extent. I think there's enough people now that are aware of the kinds of things that smell like undefined behavior to think about asking. Whereas I think there was a long time when undefined behavior wasn't even something I thought about or knew about, really. It just was, you know, oh, I don't, don't do that thing. It crashes. Well, that's fine. Um, but I think we've now reached a point where most people I, that I talk to anyway are aware that there is this thing called undefined behavior, and then you can have the conversation. But maybe that hasn't... I, there are a lot of, like, old-school folks doing C development on, um, in, on the Linux kernel, and I wonder if that's just something that hasn't made it down to, I mean, to the C community as much. I, I don't know, but uh, I certainly... Certainly, I think you're right. The, the, the way to solve it is, is by education. But that's on us yeah. to some extent as a community to say, um, you know, there is this thing called undefined behavior. This is what it looks like. It is it is actually a net benefit to you. You don't realize it, but it yeah. is a net benefit. It, the compiler can make some very smart decisions because of it. So it's defining the, you know, the, the uh, def- defining undefined behavior, which is obviously everyone's knee-jerk reaction. It's like, why do we just define it? How hard can that be yeah, yeah. is not the answer. Java does it. How hard right. can it be? Right. <laughs> right. That's true. That is true. But, I, but I, Const Expert uh, does it as well, right? It's, it's, it already it doesn't do it. It says, like, it, it stops you from doing any undefined behavior, which is kind of a nice thing. Well, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that undefined behavior is not defined. By that, I don't mean the behavior is defined. What I mean is there's no index in the standard. You can't go to the standard and say, right. what are all the things that are undefined? Well, you yeah. can divide by zero. You can do this. You can do this. It turns out that... There's all sorts of places within the standard where it says doing this is undefined, but there's no place that pulls that all together and says, right. here are the 99 ways that you can shoot yourself in the foot. We need to get uh, John Reger in and, and ask him. Yes. He, he was like up to like 300 or something that he thought a, a list of like un, undefined behavior things. It's, yeah, it's, it's not good, really. Right. And, and separating those from things that are uh, uh, you know platform defined or something like that, because there's all yep. these different areas and yeah, gets fun <laughs> so undefined behavior is undefined and stood logic error is a logic error <laughs> that's and true that's there's true a, there's an interesting connection between those two things because we actually use stud logic error to make undefined behavior defined that's true yes <laughs> wow mind blown that's that's whoa um, heard it here first so uh let's see what else should we talk about about running the site? I, I'm very curious. Oh about yeah, yeah, site, yeah. But yeah, well, there are some things is. I wouldn't mind drawing people's attention to. I mean, uh, there's, there's there's some cool little stats I just picked up before, um, 
before we we, we came on air, and um, that I thought would be interesting. So, Compiler Explorer is currently doing a million compiles a week, which is mind-boggling. <laughs> so that's the the most we've ever had is two hundred twenty-eight thousand on one day, and that was actually last month. And I don't know what happened on November the eighth. Maybe someone was uh, scraping the API. Or doing something because people do do this. We occasionally get. Um, I notice when uh, the uh, Bing's uh, robot thing um, hits the site because I get a sudden peak in the number of like short URL, like URL shortener things. Like my database reads go up through the roof suddenly as it's just hitting them one after another, going like, "What about this one? What about this one?" So that's quite fun. Um, but so yeah, a million million a week, which means yeah, around about fifty million a year. That's that's a lot of code compiled. Um, <laughs> And in terms of the new features that I think is worth drawing people's attention to because they're, they're lots of fun to play with. And again, right, the, the thing about Compiler Explorer that always makes me feel weird when I'm sort of ex- excited about all these new things is like I'm merely showcasing other people's hard work, right? The compilers <laughs> are the stars here. The tools are the stars here. I've just written a bit of HTML and a bit of JavaScript, which is it, it continues to annoy me at some deep level that like my entire career has been C++, low latency, you know, fast through, <laughs> high throughput game programming, finance and stuff. And the things that I'm well known for are JavaScript. It's just so demeaning. <laughs> JavaScript is a fine language, but it is actually even probably more upsetting to work with than C++ in terms of all the weird edge cases. But yes, things, things that are new, they're in the site. So there's a tools option now. If you look at the top right-hand corner of a, uh, a compiled window, there's a tools drop-down. And in there is LLVM And what's the URL for this again? Uh, <laughs> uh, you can go to compiler-explorer.com, but I oh, would really? probably recommend you go to the more popularly named one. You're just teasing me now, John. <laughs> yeah, so, Matt.com, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> I, I might have to just change my last name. That, that's the best, easiest way to get everyone to go over to Compiler Explorer. But no, so the, the, the story... Change your the, last the, name to Explorer. The, to, yes. A hyphenated compiler-explorer. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm sort of strangely shy about the fact that it's obviously everyone calls it Godbolt, but you know, in the same way that Google doesn't want to say Google all the time for fear of like losing control of their own name. I try not to, I try not to. I, and that's why I have compilerexplorer.com, but people have taken me to one side and said, why would you throw away this? It's a funny little short name that has come to mean this. So go with it. And so I, I suppose I am begrudgingly going with that now, but I, I will still try not to say it anyway, the tools um, you can now run LLVM MCA on the output of your compiler. So that means you can write in a bit of C code, you can have it compiled with all the options you've got, and then you can run LLVM MCA on the result of that. So now you've got like a chain of windows. The LLVM MCA, which is really easy to say, is the machine code analyzer. And what it does is it, it takes the internal model that LLVM has of the instruction uh, set, the ISA of a particular CPU, and it uses it kind of in reverse and says, okay, given that I have this sequence of operations, these instructions, how does the CPU actually break them down into micro operations? How does it how does it schedule them? And where will the bottleneck be as a result of either like the divider is always in use or the multiplier or this read is then used three times in a row and it need, there's register contention. It's really quite cool. And I would I'd love, absolutely love to have time to spend uh, time taking the output from that, which is just ASCII, and parsing it out or generating, you know, making a patch for an LLVM MCA that does like JSON output and then like visualizing it because, you know, my other my other thing that I love doing in JavaScript as well is writing like CPU emulators 
usually for old old computer systems, as you know. But there's a there's, in my in my sort of dream dream world, I will write the world's most perfect x86 uh, emulator in JavaScript with all of this information in it as well. And then you can like single step through your code and see how it runs through the CPU, you know, caches and uh, amazing. Never going to happen. But <laughs> but that would be what I would love to do. So LLVMCA is like a little step in that direction. Uh, it's a cool little tool. Uh, Clang Tidy is on the list of tools that you can run as well, which will obviously tell you things about your code and tell you that, you know, you're doing... Um, Where, where's, the, where's the tool list? Uh, I've I'm, I'm got the UI, the UI up here. All right, let me just... Uh, 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 yep, there we go. So if you've got the... Uh, uh, oh, my computer is being extraordinarily slow now. Or maybe the site's down. Oh, sugar. No. Yeah, the site's done that funny thing again. Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> Live problem. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I've been returned uh, an empty document of compilers. And so I have been, while we've been talking, running with the debugging open so I can uh, kill that. But if it was working... Up to up the top right of the assembly output, there's the add tool dot dot dot, and on the drop down there you've got uh, Clang Tidy, LLVM MCA, and PA Hole, which is a very strangely named thing, which sounds faintly uh, not safe for work. Um, is it just me, or is Godbot broken? Someone has just said in hash general. <laughs> we may have to finish up pretty soon, guys, because I may have to go and um, fix something. But um, yeah. Oh, I see. Add to, okay, I was I couldn't find the menu, but now I see it. There's a you got menu. it now. It's on the extreme right. Add tool, yes, and so yeah. you can add things like uh, yeah, clang tidy, and then pa hole is just recently been merged in by these are all things that other people have submitted pull requests for. Incidentally, these are not my work. Right. Um, pa hole it looks at structures and says you know where is all the padding. So if you've written bool double bool double in your struct, you're, you're wasting like. 14 odd bytes of space in the gaps between things. And it kind of recommends ways to reorder things, which, which is interesting. Um, it's one of those things that the compiler can't save you from. And that's, um, there's, I think there's somebody's talking at, at uh, uh, C++ on C. I think they're going to be talking about the kinds of things that compilers can and can't do. <laughs> I, I imagine they may mention things like that too. There are, you know, the, the things that compilers. I'll have to look out for that. Yeah, you should do <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna to have to say, and so we're on Slack at the moment as well. For those listening at home, I'm just gonna quickly reply and sit there and say, "I will fix it very soon." <laughs> um, we won't keep so you much longer. We, yeah, unfortunately, we're running out of time. We're gonna to have to have you back soon because we we've just barely scratched the 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 list of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, but one of the things I did want to talk about is again on this on this compiler list is you have versions of compilers that support language features that are still experimental. Mm -hmm. And so you want to talk about what you've done with Arthur? Yeah, so Arthur sent me um, basically... Uh, Arthur O'Dwyer. Arthur O'Dwyer, who's um, the mastermind behind the... Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, movable, uh, trivially, trivially relocatable. relocatable, yes. Which which is an awesome idea. Um, and only awesome because I actually have a, a thing at work right now where I have a to-do that says, as soon as it's trivially re relocatable, I can do this thing that I really <laughs> want to do now. Uh, but um, until then, I just have to deal with mem copy. Anyway, um, yeah, so so he, he sent me an email, said, hey, I have a patched version of Clang. Is there any chance we can get it into Compiler Explorer? And I'm like, Abs absolutely. Um, there's a lot of sophistication. Sophistication is strong. There is a lot of duct tape and uh, uh, glue and other bits and pieces holding together the the world's worst continuous build system that I've cobbled together, as we were talking about before the show, which allows me to build compilers and deploy them um, 
on a daily basis. So I build all of the, the uh, I build GCC and Clang, the regular branches. Uh, and I also build, uh, there is a couple, what have I got? I've got a list somewhere. I'll have to get the list. I've not got it with me right now. But there is obviously Arthur's, uh, Arthur's version of Clang is there. There's the CPPX uh, branch, which has uh, Herb's, Herb and Andrew Sutton's um, marvellous uh, meta class sort of proposal thing in there as well. I think that one's, yeah, that one's building daily. But yeah, so if, if people have ideas, if people want to get um, a patched version of the compiler into Compiler Explorer, it's relatively, relatively straightforward. There's a lot of like, I can point you at a change list or a pull request that one of those fine folks have given me. And so this is, yeah, this is, this is a great thing because as I was saying to you again before the show, we were talking about this. I said, you know, if I have a new library, that's fine. I'd send you my library and you can run it in, in your world, whatever that is, whatever platform you're on, whatever compiler you're on. But if I'm working on a, a language change or, a, you know, an extension to the language or something like that, there's kind of no way that anybody but me can play with it. And even I can't really play with it because, you know, it's it's all theoretical, you know. But if I can patch Clang and actually get it out there so that I don't have to send people a, a copy of Clang, they can just go to um, Compiler Explorer and try it out. That's right. kind of cool. Although it would also be cool if we could actually see it run. But But that's... People who are actually playing with languages, maybe that's not the first thing they want to do. They want to look. M- at m- maybe we can do something about the making it run thing. That's so. It's long been my dream to actually have execution. Now, obviously, we should say that like Wandbox is out there. Um, oh crikey, there's another one. There are at least another two. Um, there's like Regex Tester or something. It's a very weirdly named um, site or that, that does um, execution. It's long been on the the roadmap for me. Um, I am. So my Patreon level reached a point where I have promised to dedicate one evening a week to just, like, ha- hacking on Compiler Explorer. And I have been using that to kind of get through the backlog and, like, get through all of the, um, the, 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 the just triaging the bugs. Uh, but last, last week I started again picking at the edges of the execution support. So I would like right. to get there. That would be fine. So maybe... I, I, use, I use CPV reference for that. So I use... Kind oh, of- right, yeah. Which I think Compiler is powered by one of the other, reference. yeah. What's that? Yeah, I think it's powered by one of the other things I mentioned. I don't think it's one. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's one they of those give ones. credit to it, but that's yeah. just the UI I know. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm, someone has just filed a bug now on Compiler so saying, "Hey, there's nothing. There's no languages there." I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so um, I'm going to click the high priority label, and yeah. Well, I think we've I think we've run out of time. We'll we'll have to have <laughs> you back, but we won't have you back next week. And the reason is that we have Hannah. Yay! Yep. She is so um, amazing. Gonna, I, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm very ha- excited to, to have her. Everybody's been talking about her her talk. Um, somebody even said we should have pre- shirts made for people who saw the talk at the conference. I saw <laughs> Hannah's talk in person, right? I think it was just because it was so long to get the video up or something like that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> no, it was a remarkable now, talk. Guys. Yes. What's that? It was a remarkable talk. I, I wasn't there. I'm not going to get the T-shirt. I, I think she's doing it again or a similar version. Uh, at C++ C++ on the same, so yeah. I will be definitely there. I promise you, Hannah, I will be there. This uh, C++ on C sounds like it's going to be the happening place. Yeah. Uh, and that's just right around the corner, right? That's only two, three months away? Three months. Yeah. <laughs> Better write you, some you slides. Want, <laughs> you want to see a conference organizer's uh, face turn white, you just tell them how long it is before the conference. <laughs> And they will panic. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll have Hannah, Hannah on Friday, and it's going to be much earlier in the day. Much earlier in the day for those of us in California, you're going to have to get out of bed really early. Um, yes, yeah, right. But, uh, 
but we're we're looking forward to that and um and we, yeah we will just have definitely have to have you back matt um it's and, always uh, fun to be here it's just it, it's a lot of fun just chatting with you you guys it's 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 easy it's fun uh, my, my my family have just arrived back actually they, they were over there so they're whispering in the corner it's very distracting now but you know <laughs> but you make it very relaxed and chilled and it's, it's so yeah they thank you for having me time. yes <laughs> yeah that's right um so is there anything else i know we didn't cover all the items is there anything we had to cover uh phil before we no i think we covered everything that we needed to should we tease the things that we didn't talk about uh, the tool views we did, uh, the lock-free stuff, mm. uh, the the green field starting from scratch. Oh. Um, boy, just so many things. We just tease everybody and say we, we mentioned you know, like Conan very very briefly. You know that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I I didn't have a chance to write my love letter to Phil and the rest of the Sea Lion team for making such an amazing product and saving my bacon recently as my my new. Well, that's right. My you were new, talking about my new company has given me this thing and I don't know how to use it. Um, it doesn't do Linux, and um, but luckily I have a Linux machine somewhere else, and so I can write my code here, and magic happens, and it builds and runs on the other place. So thank you, JetBrains, for for that. That's all, an awesome feature. Um, I didn't explain right. it very well, but it's magic. The, the remote, uh, what what is it called? Remote what? Remote working. Remote working. Ah, <laughs> that's cool. What an obvious name. Yeah. <laughs> or remote development, depending on who you speak to. Right. As opposed to my code, which is it's, it doesn't remotely work. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's Phil whose job is to do the bad puns. Sorry. So. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> Plenty to share around. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's that time. In fact, uh, it's probably a little bit past that time. Um, but, um, but we need to uh, say to all the listeners, both the video listeners and the audio listeners, uh, safe coding. Safe coding. Yeah, safe coding.